Welcome to Gorilla Discipleship. My name's Kevin Baker. I'm so glad you're back with us again today. It's a joy, of course, to be together like this. I wish we could all just be in a room having a conversation. Uh, but hey, I had a great conversation last week, uh, and I hope you enjoyed that. And I look forward to this conversation today, or at least this uh, time to, to get together today. We're still talking about how to raise the sails, right? We are not going to be powerboat people. We're not going to try and power through life. We're not going to try and power into discipleship on our own. We are going to raise the sails of our lives, raise the sails of our ministries, catch the power of God's Spirit, the movement of God's Spirit, because God wants to drive this. He just wants our partnership. He, he's not looking for us to generate it. He just wants us to cooperate with him, and uh, and he gets to use us. We get to be used by him, and the adventure is amazing. I, I just think how how horrible it is for the average person who calls themselves a Christian, but they just don't have any uh, any experience of the adventure that God wants for us as disciple makers. Uh, and uh, so I just am glad you're with us. Uh, if you're new, welcome. Uh, this is just a, 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 an avenue for us to create an army of disciple makers that God's going to use to transform our culture, transform the world. And uh, we believe we are the hope of the world, but not the church as an institution. Uh, that's the way we often think about it. But the church as the people of God, individuals sold out for Jesus, looking for uh, just ordinary people. As a matter of fact, if you're here and you're going, well, I'm going to check this out, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nothing special. I haven't studied the scripture that well. You're the kind of person God uses, and we're glad that you're here. So thanks for sharing in this journey uh, with us. And I've been talking about the, the way that we raise our sails. We've talked uh, about focusing on God's word. We've talked about uh, multiplying extraordinary prayer, seeing prayer uh, really amplify in your life and in the life uh, of your ministry or your team. Uh, but today I want to talk about casting vision. Now, you may be sitting here listening to this or, or engaging with this, and you're just, uh, you're a housewife, you're uh, a career person, uh, a student. You may be thinking, I have no clue. What are you talking about casting vision? Who am I supposed to be casting vision to? Well, the first, you can't cast what you don't have, right? If you don't have a vision, how are you going to cast a vision? So the first part of casting vision and really raising the sails uh, in your life to catch the wind of the Spirit is first of all to be praying for a vision, to be asking God what he's doing. Henry Blackaby said uh, years ago that God is at work all around us in uh, experiencing God. And that's so true. God is at work in you. God's at work around you. Uh, and he wants you to join him in that work. He wants all of us to join him in that work. We tend to focus this on us. We say, well, God, what do you want me to do? But I think before we get to that question, the question we want to ask ourselves is, God, what are you doing? Where are you at work and, and where can I join you? So let's first of all talk a little bit about that. Um, there tends to be with vision a, a tendency on our part to think in terms of what we have the capabilities for. So we begin to even rule out listening to God because uh, we can't hear God because God's speaking in a language that is way beyond what we can do. If I only go to God and say, God, you know, here are my limited resources. I've only got a few minutes of time or I've only got this or whatever. If we go with all of our, our struggles and inadequacies, then God, it's going to be hard for us to hear him. Because when God said to Abraham, 
leave your, your country, your father, your household, everything you've known, and go to a place where I'm going to show you. Well, he was not saying, Abram, do what you can do. Just do the best you can do. He was saying, follow me, and I'll show you what I can do through you. In fact, he said to Abram, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. That wasn't something he was expecting Abram to do out of his own strength. When God called Moses and talked to him at the burning bush and told him that he wanted to use him to go and speak to Pharaoh to release the Israelites from their bondage to Egypt, he, you know, what was Moses' response? It was our response. I can't speak. I can't do this. I, 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 I. We always look at what we can do. And yet God said back to Moses the same thing that he's saying to all of us. Who do you think created you? Who created your mouth? I, I, I'm looking for your willingness. I'm looking for your availability, not your ability. God has all the abilities we need. And he loves using weak people like us. He loves using those of us who are, who are untrained, unschooled. Wasn't that what they said about the disciples? They're just unschooled people. Who are they? He loves using us. Why? Because it's clear to the world that then what's happening is, is of God. It's not of us. The more we uh, find ourselves trained, professionals, educated, the, the less power that, that maybe we're going to see because we just keep relying on our strengths and our abilities. So the first place to start with casting vision is to ask for a vision, is to open your mind and say, God, what is your vision for the world? Now, isn't it true that Jesus told those 11 disciples in Matthew 28, go into all the world? Have you thought about that recently? Go into all the world. These were average Middle Eastern men pre-modernity. Uh, they, were, they, they didn't have boats. Uh, they, they didn't have planes. They didn't have cars, buses. They, they were just fishermen, right? They were local guys. And he said, I want you to go into the whole world. And In other words, what God said to them was, I'm not just giving you a little town or a village or a church or a, a house. I'm giving you the whole world. And they actually were sent into the whole world. Isn't that right? They didn't, they didn't think they were capable. But then once the day of Pentecost came and they received the powering and empowering of the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, how things changed. And so God has a vision. That is that the whole world, God wants to see, if you look in, in Revelation, uh, you, you're going to find that God wants to see every tribe, every language, every person come to know him. That's what he wants. He wants us to have every person hear his call of love, his invitation to come and, and be his son, his daughter, to find freedom from all the burdens and the sin and the, the, the lostness, the bondage that we're all in. I mean, let's, let's face it, we're all struggling. And God wants to set us free and give us life. So he wants the whole world. He wants your friends, your neighbors. You know that, that brother that you have that just has turned his back on God or doesn't want to hear anything about God. God cares about him. God believes in him even if he doesn't believe in God. And, and so God, we've got to stop limiting God. Our vision has to be, God, what do you want? We tend, in, in the West, we tend to ask the question, well, could we add a couple of people? You know, church people go, gosh, I just wish a few people would come. Or maybe if I could invite one person to church. God doesn't think in one or twos. God thinks in millions. God thinks of whole tribes of people, whole communities of people. And that's the vision he has for us. And so part of the first thing about casting vision is to ask God, 
God, what do you want? What are you doing in my area? And maybe this is something that uh, he's going to have for just you, or maybe it's something that he's going to have for your church, and, and you're you're developing a vision for your church. Maybe you're here, you're a pastor, you're a you're part of the church board, and you're you're thinking about that. Pray about that. What do you want our church to do? And stop. Don't just think, what do we feel like we have the financial resources for? We so limit our ability to hear from God because we are afraid to let God call us to things bigger than ourselves. Now, that means that there's a question that's going to change in this for us. We're going to go from what can I do to what will it take? When God begins to give us the vision, it's going to be beyond what we can do. So we're, we can't ask that question. It's going to, we're going to have to ask ourselves, what's it going to take? What will it take for me to be able to live into the vision that God's given for me? So that's the first step is be, be praying about that. Be, be asking God and then develop a team. Now, who's the team? You know, I remember years ago, God sent us to a, a church in a community where um, we didn't know anybody in that community. We were, we were the pastor of a, a, it was a small church, been in existence for a long time. Lots of folks there that uh, they were tired. And uh, I had no idea what we were getting into. It was, uh, it was one of those things where, man, and so I was excited about it at first. And probably within six months, I remember going into the sanctuary of that church, kneeling at the altar by myself. Uh, and I had come to the end of my rope. You know, there's something good about being wholly frustrated. Sometimes we've got to get wholly frustrated, wholly exhausted before we're ready to hear from God. And I was wholly frustrated. I was wholly exhausted. And I just knelt at that altar and I said, God, this is too much for me. And um, that was a turning point in that. I didn't know it that day, but, but just crying out to God that way was a turning point. And uh, I began to ask my, uh, one of my best friends, uh, and he said, he asked me this question. He said, God, he said, Kevin, who is God given you at that church? And I said, I don't think anybody here really, they're exhausted. They don't have a vision for, for things uh, that I'm thinking and what God's calling me to. And he said, okay, we'll start praying for a couple uh, that can join you and Michelle in, in a vision that you have. And so we did, and God began to open that door. And sure enough, very quickly, a couple was provided, and we asked them. We just said, do you share this vision, and would you join us in this? And uh, we didn't know what we were getting into. They probably didn't know what we were getting into, but God used uh, the four of us, and, and many others came after that to do amazing things. It's one of the sweetest seasons in uh, my life uh, of wa watching God use us. And so think about that. Who's your team? If you're married, maybe your team is your is your spouse. Maybe uh, if you're single, maybe it's your friends. Uh, don't be afraid to say to ask God, "Who's my team, God?" If maybe it's a team within church, maybe you're already part of a ministry team, but begin to cast the vision of what God's saying to you. At the very least, you can cast the vision this way. You can say, "I am beginning to get excited about what it means to make disciples and to be a disciple maker." And begin to cast that vision. You can invite them to come and watch these uh, Guerrilla Discipleship uh, uh, podcasts, YouTube uh, videos with you or, or listen to them. You can begin to just say, let's talk about this together. You can begin to do some reading. doesn't matter. Maybe, and this would be the most powerful of all, just gather your team, first of all, and say, let's pray for an hour each week for our families, for our church, for our community. Do some prayer walking We've talked about that before. Continue to, to gather together. And, and prayer praying together is one of the best ways to start building a, a relationship with your team. 
and to build unity in your team. You'll find out very quickly who God is leading by who's willing to pray with you. And so it doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a church staff member or whether you're a uh, someone who's even disconnected right now from the organized church. But if you're a follower of Jesus, God always sends his people out in more than just one. He doesn't have lone rangers. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And so pray for that person. Like I said, don't, don't limit who it could be. Don't be surprised at who it's going to be. It's going to be somebody probably that you didn't expect, but it might be people who are right there uh, in your life and in your circle uh, at the moment, and begin to say, let's pray together. So there's there you're praying for a vision, asking God what he's doing, and then you're beginning to pray for the team. You're asking God, uh, raise up names to me. Uh, God, just give me insight. Bring someone into my uh, circle of, of, uh, of acquaintance that, that might be the person who can begin to be a partner for me in this ministry. Because listen, we were created for community. Uh, we want and need to be in community together. We need to be together as we do discipleship. It's not a solo sport. You don't just get discipleship by listening to a, a podcast or, or reading the scriptures on your own. We are meant to be formed by community, in community, and for community. Our God is a community, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. He created us to be in community with him. He created us male and female, right? And when he looked at Adam and said, Adam, I've got fellowship with you, but I don't want you to be alone. I want you to have somebody like you. We really do need each other. We're better together. As, as Andy Stanley says, uh, life is better and, and things are better in circles than in rows. He, he talking about, you know, we come to church and we sit in a row and we just listen to one voice, but in a circle, we are together. We're talking, interacting with one another. And we are, Rick Warren says, we're better together. I agree. I agree. We are. We're better together. We were made for relationships uh, and we were made to live in community. I know it's, it's frightening, but all of us probably have read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 and, and been excited and wanted to be a part of a community that loved that deeply and, and shared that kind of commitment. It is scary. You, you, boy, that, you want to talk about living in deep community. That's what the people of God were doing. So let's pray for those teams. And again, I just want to encourage you, it doesn't matter who you are, you can have a team. You don't have to be a professional pastor, minister, on staff anywhere, or, or leader in your church. You, you, you don't need a, a team. Uh, you don't need to be one of those positions to have a team. We need a team. We need 2 a.m. friends that we can call, but we need someone who sees the same vision and mission that we do. And, and if God's using you to build the team, then you're going to be the person who casts the vision, who begins to share what God's saying to you. And don't be afraid of that. If you get rejected, if they say, oh, that vision's not mine, that's okay, right? You know, don't, don't let fear that, that other people have to have the same vision that you do uh, and fear that they won't have the vision that you have. Cancel out that God has given you a vision for what he wants to, to use you for in life. If it's not the persons that you share with first, it'll be someone else. Uh, it's just an adventure to, to even share vision and cast vision. How do you do that? Just tell your story. Tell the story of how you got to where you are and what you're sensing in your heart. And a lot of times I think vision starts with that. It's, it's not very clear. 
it, it's it's a it's a yearning. It's like I'm hungry for something. I need want more, but I don't know exactly what it is. And you're so sometimes what you're inviting people into is you're inviting them into an unknown. Imagine Abram going back to Sarah, his wife, in in the old uh, in the G Genesis story, and saying, "Hey, God just told me we're going to go, uh, and we need to leave this place." And Sarah, I'm sure, would have said, "Well, where are we going?" Uh, as any spouse would do. And and imagine uh, Abram, I'm not sure. You're not sure. Well, what did God say? He just said, "Go." He didn't tell me exactly where. And so part of the vision is going to be a bit uh, unknown. But the great thing is that, that as your team builds, you begin to allow God to speak the vision into you together. And that's exciting. As you discover, as God reveals it to all of you together, even that adds to this whole process. So what are you going to do today? Well, the, the commitment, I, I think, at the very least would be that you're going to start praying for for God to speak to you about what he's already at work in your life. This is not necessarily going to be something new. It may be that, that it's already a yearning. It's already, look for what God's already doing in your community, around you. Uh, and then, then what you're going to do is say, God, who's my team? Who would you enjoy doing this with? I mean, that's a simple question, right? Who would you just say, man, I'd love to hang out with them and partner with them on something like this. Okay, tell them that. Ask them. Uh, that will bless them. It will compliment them, even if they say, I, I can't do it right now. I have the time. And by the way, just because someone says it first, I'm not sure. I don't have the time. I would love to do that, but I can't right now. Okay. Don't shame them. Don't press in on them. Just say, well, okay, I'm just going to keep praying and watch what God may do. That very person may come back in a week or two and say, I just couldn't get that out of my mind. And I don't feel like I have the time for this, but God apparently does. So I'm, I'm here. It's going to be an adventure. This is an adventure. Be comfortable in discomfort. I know, doesn't make sense, right? But following Jesus means that we become comfortable with being uncomfortable because Jesus doesn't always tell us every step. And that's part of discipleship. It's the nature of following Jesus is I begin to get comfortable with the fact that he doesn't give me every answer, but I'm willing to obey him. We're willing to follow him even when we don't fully understand every piece. And most of the time, for, for reasons that uh, I think have to do with our desire to want control, right? We, we want to have a lot of control in our lives. We want to be able to evaluate things. Um, we want Jesus to show us the whole staircase. A lot of times he just shows us the one step at, at, at a time. And he invites us to trust him. And that's the adventure of being a follower of Jesus. It's the Oh my gosh, I would have never guessed I would be here today if I would have known two years ago when I said yes to Jesus that this is where he would take me. But ask yourself, has Jesus ever taken you to a place that's harmed you? It may have been hard, may have been difficult, may have challenged you, but I bet it's grown you. I'll bet that it's blessed you. And uh, he's, because he's such a good, good God, he has no desire to do anything other than give our lives deeper meaning, more life, and more adventure and blessing, and more joy. That's what he said. I came to give you my joy and give it to the full. So thanks for taking this journey. I appreciate so much you being a part of this. Don't forget, every week, I just want to remind you, share uh, Guerrilla Discipleship with anybody that you can. And um, thanks so much. Let us know how we can continue to bless you and be a service to you. 
I'm so grateful that you're a part of this journey together. And uh, we'll see you next week.